Men History 101. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from America, Newtown, <laughs> America. California. America. Yes, because California is a city. It's not a state. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's my partner in Whereas crime, Jim Elias. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, Fred. It, ma- it makes a change from the um, bipolar weather that we get over the summer over here, where it's basically warm, and then it rains, and then it just goes in that fluctuation, really. <laughs> so, sun rain. And rain. Mm-hmm. I thought you guys got a decent amount of like cold weather and snow. Oh, yeah, we get that, too. Yeah, that, that, we, that, we've already had that period, but now it's, now it's, um, oh, okay. it's the summer warm rain period. <laughs> Well, you should be getting back into the uh, cold and snow thing soon, right? Absolutely. But hey, hey, at least we get fluctuations of weather, unlike California, where it's just sun every day. Damn straight. (laughs) No no offense to anyone that lives there. Well, I'm sure Derek is so offended. Uh All right, friends. Well... We are getting together today because on August 23rd, 1991, the Super Mm. Nintendo Entertainment System launched in North America. So, sorry to tell you, Jim, um, the UK doesn't get it until 1992, April 11th, 1992 specifically. Europe doesn't even get it till June. I know, yeah. Oh, yeah? As I say, it's very rare that, that you have that where it's released differently in the UK to the rest of Europe because it's usually just the same. Well, it's it's nothing. It's unique to Nintendo because they hate Europe on individual <laughs> intervals. Like it's just the way they work. This is back when they hated the UK as well. We could probably say, but yeah, or at least their distribution channels. <laughs> yeah. The only but, one uh, thing yes. that Nintendo oh. liked about us is they gave us the better-looking SNES. Goddamn, they <laughs> did. We will be talking about the differences with regions know, yeah. and many other things on this episode. <laughs> but um, we're also trying out some new stuff with the audio, so Jam can finally hear the music on his end. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to listen to myself to help balance things out. So bear with me. I'm listening to a mirror image of my own voice, but I'm going to try to make this seem natural. So <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, so a lot of people on websites usually target launches and launch dates based off of Japan, but I don't think that really works because over here in the West, like a bunch of games came out at very different times. So it's mm-hmm. almost unfair to talk about like the Super Nintendo as to when the Super Famicom came out because on November 21st, 1990, when it premiered in Japan, we were getting Super Mario Brothers 3. So it's not really a fair comparison, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sorry, are you laughing at... Uh... Oh, yep, yeah, I'm just laughing at the chat, sorry. <laughs> the terrible, terrible version we got. <laughs> and we will talk about that. So anyway, so we're celebrating the Western release, and we will talk about yes. pretty much everything Super NES. Uh, but I want to do a couple real quick housekeeping. 
So yes. first of all, we did not get any music in the Kingdom Hearts episode, and for that I apologize. <laughs> uh, as, <laughs> if you've listened to that episode, Jam and I talked about the fact that it was hard to get together and do a recording in the first place. And then I added in a bunch of tracks, but I had to amplify them in Audacity. And when it came time to render it, it was giving me like 26 hours as, as like the estimated time to do so, which was really weird for like a two and a half hour podcast. But uh, I let it go overnight. And when I came back, son of a bitch, it still needed like 15 hours. And I said, I cannot do this. Uh-huh. If anything yeah. crashes or anything like that, I was going to cry. So we're not going to do that. Um, and instead, we're just <laughs> going to uh, use the version without music. So, But uh, anyway, um, also at the end of this episode, we're going to pick the next Game Club game. So yes. those of you in the chat, if you're interested in nominating a Game Club game, there's a way I want you to do this. So let me figure it out real quick. Okay, if you... If you click on my name in the right toolbar, you should see a message option. Just fire me the game you want to nominate there, and at the end of the episode, I will look up what's there. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, sir, you ready to talk about this Super NES? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So it came out to the West, August twenty third, nineteen ninety one, and as we've already kind of joked about, you guys don't get it till ninety two, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, too oh, Brazil, Brazil gets it in ninety two <laughs> as well. You know, they built their own. Um, but uh, about too busy playing the Mars system. <laughs> that's right. It was a brand new system out there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Playtronic, sorry, um, who made the Master System is actually the ones who make the Brazilian Super Nintendo as well. Mm. I know, who's so, funny because of course they are. Uh, in South Korea, it was actually known as the Super Comboy. Did you know that? Yeah, absolutely. Bizarre name. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I think before we get into the Super NES, we should probably talk about the world that the Super NES, I guess, began life in. Yeah. Um, so. Well, should yeah. we sort of talk about what, sort of what was happening before it even released, really? Because before the, even Nintendo was even, before they were releasing the Super Nintendo, um, there was two kind of consoles that were kind of big in Japan, which was the recently released Mega Drive and the um, PC Engine systems. Yep. Those two were and, head uh, to head. Yeah. And uh, so at this point, in, um, sort of Nintendo wasn't massively interested in a new console, at least in the early stages when these consoles came out, because they were quite confident that the NES um, was going to still hold its own against them. They still felt that their software was going to you know, be far, be okay. They were quite confident in their products, really, still at this stage. And bearing in mind, yeah, we're going to talk about Japan, obviously. Well, no, but I think that extends beyond that. Now, for Europe, mm. it's a little bit different. Like, by your own oh, yeah. admission, <laughs> Europe is the greatest place uh, for Nintendo distribution. But if you look at it, in Japan, they're getting license fees on, like, everything that comes out. You know, and the rules weren't the same as it was in America. It was a little weird in America. But uh, in Japan, they're just cranking games left and right. And they're making, what, 10 bucks, 20 bucks off the top. And they're just getting licensing fees like you see today. You know, when a PlayStation mm. 4 game releases from a third party, Sony gets 10 bucks for each disc sold. This was kind of the deal in Japan that the Famicom had, the, the Nintendo. Um, 
people could go to Nintendo to manufacture their carts, but oftentimes they didn't because it was really expensive and Nintendo did the Nintendo thing and said, oh, well, we're touting oh, yeah. quality. So you pay extra for us because of that. And most people mm-hmm. in Japan were like, fuck you. Um, but <laughs> oh, yeah. in America, it was a little different because Nintendo owned the manufacturing, the distribution, and the sale mm-hmm. of every game. Yep. So if you wanted to make a game on the Nintendo in America... You had to buy the carts from them. You had to buy the chips from them. You had to wait for them to distribute it. And then they got their licensing fee off the top. So instead of making like 10 bucks per cart sold, they were making like 30 bucks per cart sold. So why would you want to break that? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Like I get that. Well, and the other thing, and Jam, we've talked about this on many episodes, is that Sega also got screwed, especially in America. Because there were rules in place that if you pissed off Grandpa Nintendo and released a game on another platform for another competitor, Mm -hmm. i.e. Sega, on the Master System or the Genesis or Mega Drive, um, Nintendo could cut you off. Yeah. And -hmm. nobody wanted to be cut off from the Famicom or the NES. So as you can imagine, this is a big problem. (laughs) Especially when... um... Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, especially when the NES was a hot seller for companies, you know, that was the more appealing sort of um, more appealing console at the time. I mean, it was, uh, it absolutely was, but there could be ups and downs, right? Like a great example oh, yeah. is Castlevania. Castlevania mm. like hit in one big glut in 1987 in America, and then it disappears basically, never to be seen. There's a quote unquote chip shortage, and then when does it pop up? It pops up in mass quantity at the end of 1987, I think post-Christmas, just in time for Castlevania II to come out. So now you've got mm. a game and its sequel smooshed next to each other on Toys R Us store shelves, and Capcom, or not Capcom, sorry, Konami. Konami gets fucked across the board. <laughs> so it, it's a problem. So, but... Uh, Oh, Clue Drew. Oh, wait. Well, I shouldn't say anything to him because he can't listen. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But what was the state with Nintendo? And let's throw in the PC Engine, the Master System, and the Mega Drive in... Well, actually, let's do this in a tiered group. We've started with Mm -hmm. Japan. So in Japan, you've got the PC Engine, as you had said, Jam. Yeah. Which is really an 8-bit console with a 16-bit graphics processor. So it ran like a Nintendo or a Master System, but it looked kind of like a Genesis or a Mega Drive. Mm. So that was kind of a weird dichotomy. Um, Jam, do you have much experience with the TurboGrafx-16 or PC Engine? I really don't, because I, I, although I heard that they were around over here, I never saw one over here, apart if from a retro convention. If you find one, buy it, you'll be rich. <laughs> yeah, oh, pretty much, yeah. So. <laughs> So. The same goes to the PC Engine. With um, so both the Turbo Graphics and the PC Engine were very rare. <laughs> they just mm. weren't really big. Over here, it was um, you know, I've got, you know, I'm gonna bring this up again. It was the microcomputers, which were sort of dominating still. Um, and you know, Nintendo, the NES was a thing over here, but it was, and same with the Super Nintendo, they weren't as popular as the sort of the Sega consoles, um, and and absolutely the microcomputers like the Mars System. Although the Master System didn't set the world on fire, even over here, it was, um, I would say, I did, you still you saw more Master Systems than you did NESs, at least in my area, anyway. Right. Real quick, I want to point out, B Mulligan put something in the chat, 
and it's Turbo mm-hmm. Graphics hyphen hyphen greater than SNES. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, or I can't figure out if he means Turbo Graphics is so much better than the SNES. The Turbo Graphics fucks the SNES. <laughs> Please clarify for us, Bmo. Wow. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Um. So, so you guys had microcomputers, and we've all we all know that that kind of dominated. Um, oh yeah. But. Uh, um. So you didn't get a chance to see the PC engine. If you ever get a chance to emulate and use like Utake, I highly recommend Mm -hmm. it. Um, The one thing that the PC engine was really good at was being very colorful, obviously. Um, Yes. But then to a certain extent, the Genesis and Mega Drive and definitely the Super NES were capable of equal graphics uh, and and color palettes. But the Mm. sprites are huge. Like, Bonk oh, takes yeah. up a considerable amount of real estate on the screen, <laughs> you know, and, like, all games were like that. You know, it was, it was kind of like Game Boy only, but you got a bigger screen so you could see the rest of the game, really. <laughs> mm. So, anyway, the PC Engine is doing quite well. And by this point, by 1990, the PC Engine CD is out. And I can attest, after having played every single game that came oh, yeah. out from 1988 <laughs> to 1990... Uh, there's a decent library, but the PC Engine CD is very much, for the most part, a PC competitor. It's going up against the MSX. It's going up against the Sharp 68000. You know what I mean? It's it's not really going up against most console games. Valise is one of the few exceptions, and then there's a bunch of Japan-only RPGs that I can't really speak to whether or not they are of value compared to these other consoles. Um, but I don't think the Famicom had too many hardcore RPGs. I mean, it obviously had Wizardry. It had Final Fantasy. Uh, mm-hmm. It did have Dragon Quest, which was doing crazy. Um, and then there was Megami Tensei. But again, mm. JRPGs weren't huge on the console because it took some manipulation in order to get those games onto Famicom. And actually, I guess there was East. There's Sweet Home. Shit, there was a lot on the Famicom. I take that back. Um, <laughs> but the PC Engine there was, was well very known popular. tiles, though. <laughs> well, not well known here. <laughs> mm. But um, so the PC Engine's doing gangbusters. And out comes the Mega Drive, uh, the Genesis. <clears throat> Sega 16 bit console, though, in the beginning, especially in Japan in 1988, 1989, is mostly arcade ports. Right, and I would say, I mean, what do you think, Jam? Like, I think the early Genesis library... Oh, yeah. It looks impressive, Loads but it's kind of ports. hindered by the fact that there's not a lot of depth to the games. Hmm. Altered Beast. Do you agree, disagree? <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. That's a great That's... example. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah a, lot, a lot of the... Even, well, throughout the Genesis lifestyle, there was tons, especially in the early stage, there was loads of arcade ports. You know, Space Harrier was, well, Space Harrier 2, actually. I've got that wrong, actually. I'm thinking of the original one. Um, but they, they, it was mostly just arcade ports, which is just how they kind of got on by. And that, that was their kind of selling pitch, though, wasn't it, with the Genesis, was to, you know, to be catered to the arcade crowd and say, look, we've got the arcade games here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I can't tell yep. if Sega did so many arcade ports on the Mega Drive early on because they wanted to cater to their audience as much as mm. they wanted to bring the arcade home and they thought that was 
kind of their best way to do so. Mm. Um, kind of to dominate the console market. And then I think somewhere deep down inside, a lot of people at Sega just wanted to do it for self-indulgence. <laughs> it's difficult to you say, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, they changed their perspective. Um, if you mm. read Console Wars, it's right around 1990 that they let the West really dictate a lot of their decisions. And to a certain extent, the Mega Drive slash Genesis is as much a Western console as it is an Eastern console. You get the EA mm. deals, lots of sports games. You get a wide variety. Sonic the Hedgehog is proof that Japan went to the West in order to figure out how to market their second console. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but uh, anyway, um, I was looking. I think Seg... Or I think... Yes? No? No, actually... Huh, son of a bitch. You're right. Space Harrier was on, like, every console, but it skipped the Mega Drive Genesis. Yeah. It was on the 32X, <laughs> I remember that. Yes, it is. The... I have it on the 32X. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. It's even got a Sega Ages on the Saturn. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, anyway. Um, so what you've got when uh, the Super NES comes out is in Japan, you've got the PC Engine and the Mega Drive kind of duking it out. Mm -hmm. And I've heard there was kind of a lukewarm response in... Ja oh, no, wait, no. Japan was insane. Japan loved the SNES. It sold out like crazy. Um, I can imagine, I yeah. Think it, yeah, I think it had a launch on a weekday. And yes, everybody was right. school and everything. And mm -hmm. after that, there was like a courtesy request that all consoles release on the weekends. So that's, I think, why traditionally consoles now release on Saturdays. I think I remember just hearing about that. <laughs> well, yeah, and just in case somebody wants to point out Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior to me, that was software. That was earlier. Mm -hmm. That was 1986. <laughs> but, uh, or 87, I can't remember. I can't remember which Dragon Quest it was. But now hardware follows suit thanks to the Super Famicom. So... Um, and the Super Famicom, you kind of talked about it, and let's touch on the fact that it's very much the same as the Super NES in PAL territories. What does it mm -hmm. look like? So the, it's kind of like this kind of, it's a gray console. The, the actual unit, or the control deck as they call it. Call it. Um, but there is, it's, it's got the cartridge slot, of course, and it's got this big ginormous eject button just on the bottom <laughs> section, which is awesome. I mean, I used to have tons of fun playing with my friend friend who had it. He's just slamming it as hard as he could so he could pop the cartridge out really high in the air <laughs> and obviously try <laughs> and catch it, of course. Um, so, and it yeah, has kind of, it kind of pops it. Yeah. Yeah, and it of course has your power on switch and your reset button as well. But the the big sort of selling points and why it, it's just so awesome over here and in Japan is because the controller had um, the red, uh, red, yellow, blue, and green buttons. <laughs> the candy like buttons. They're the fucking candy, That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think apart from that, the controller is practically the same. I mean, the console itself is a little bit different from the US console, which the, the, the those the reset and the power on buttons are kind of purple, and the eject buttons kind of in between them. It's all kind of a lot. It's, it's kind of just purple and grey, and it looks a bit more blocky. Almost, I always quite afford it like oh, a yeah. like, kind of Lego brick. <laughs> so in a weird way. Yeah, Europe and Japan got rounded consoles. We got mm. boxy ass consoles, <laughs> and there's no. Yeah real color on ours outside of purple like i'm looking on yours and this is also true of the super famicom there's that cool yeah. circle 
that has like the green, blue, red, and yellow in yeah. like that Hello, weird Victor. Super Famicom logo. If you don't look outside of the U.S., you don't know that logo exists. Mm. Like it's nowhere on American packaging. It, it's kind of there is a version of it, but it's just kind of grayed out with lines. It's not got oh, the colors okay. on it. Yeah, yeah. I guess so it's got those four. It is there. Mm. Huh. Never noticed. But it, it doesn't have that vibrance to it without the colors. So, just, <laughs> so you won't you won't exactly. notice it as much. Um, it's in. I've interesting because I read. Um, I don't know. I don't know how true this is, but I read that the reason for the the chain. I don't know why they they kept it as it was in Europe. I guess because it's built like the Mega Drive. Oh, they just, well, they just hold on, want... real quick before we go into this, it's all presumptive yep. because Nintendo has never actually taken a stance. That's right. But yeah. I bet what we're going to talk about is pretty spot on. Yeah. So. So you were saying. So uh, part of the reason why I've heard is that they were a bit concerned when they were taking the, the Super Super Famicom to America because the, the Mega Drive, which was kind of already released there and it was already, you know, it, it had that kind of like more mature look to it. They thought that the kind of the family appearance of the console might sort of put people off. They didn't want to sort of see they don't want the console to be seen as a toy. Really, they wanted it to kind of be seen as kind of an entertainment system again, like the NES. But they wanted it to kind of right. uh, appeal to the audience, essentially. Um, which is baffling that when they brought it to Europe, they just didn't care and they thought, "Oh no, we'll just keep it colourful." Which is good. I mean, I prefer that version, but it's just it's, it's funny when they. Do. Um, yeah, well, no, and you're. That's pretty much right in my assessment. Um, if you haven't seen the American one, so this is more for our European console buyers. Um, and you've probably looked online and seen it. It's really light gray. It's very boxy. Yeah. I mean, it's squares on squares. It's a fucking Duplo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, the controller's identical, except for those beautiful candy buttons are replaced by a light purple <laughs> on the top. That's and right, a dark yeah. purple on the bottom. And then even our power and reset and everything, they're not buttons. They're like they're sliders, yeah. They're they're not even sliders. They're like thick toggle switches. When you turn (laughs) on a Super Nintendo, everyone in the house knows you did it. It was like thunk. (laughs) (laughs) Like if I turn it on right now, my wife's gonna come check on me. (laughs) What what did you just do? What happened? (laughs) When you eject something, the cart doesn't pop out. It gets like released from chains. It doesn't, it just, it just kind of hovers inside that cart slot. <laughs> so, and the reset button's flimsy as shit. It, that is a slider. It's, it's, mm. it's like it's on a grease pole. Like it just wiggles around. It's a goofy design. Um, but ultimately they are the same console. And fun they, fact. They really are. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Fun no, fact, no, yeah, Karen, Jam, no, if you want the ugly controller, you can import that and it will work on your Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and I haven't done this yet, but Jam, I might make you. Uh, I want one, maybe even two, candy button Super Nintendo controllers to plug into my SNES. So, <laughs> well, that, that, how expensive that are, better are ones. those out there? They're actually, well, I, I was going to say probably later on the show, they're actually quite easy. It depends on how, I guess, what, what you want. But if you're okay with kind of like a, I guess, a Chinese version of the of the controller, you can buy them very cheaply from China. <laughs> so they're not obviously official, uh, but they the are practically the same. You want the legit NES. ones. Yeah. You want the Super NES ones. I've only got one yeah. of those. Um, but um, 
Uh, if I send you to a shop to buy it, what am I looking at here in euros or quid? Well, when I last went to a convention, you're looking at about 20 quid for a controller. But I'm just going to do a quick... Um, that's actually a little hot. No, no, actually legitimate SNES controllers out here probably run you about 19.99. So that's a little higher. Um, wait, you said quid? Although the I'm just looking at a good old eBay, of course. And the if yeah. you want an official SNES controller, although the Famicom ones you can get for twelve pound, that's one. That's not too bad. Um, so I probably get brand one new... Famicom and one Super NES. Yeah. There's no reason to have the Sup- American ones. Nobody's asking for no, them. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll trade uh, you if you Super want. Though. Oh, no, I'm all right. <laughs> I think I've already got one, actually. So it's just yeah, doing it around somewhere. Um, uh, yeah, the game about... They're, yeah, they're, still, they're going for about £20 for the PAL versions. So the, the Super Famicom ones are cheaper. They're so about insane, aren't they? Just, pound like, over to dollars, that's like $500. And then to import, yeah, it's, it's like going to be yeah. another 700 <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, someday I might send you you know, like 30 bucks and see if you can pick one up for me and mail it my way. Mm. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, it was a weird decision. Now, you're right, the toy thing. They were kind of worried that it would be a toy. Um, But at the same time, remember with the NES and then now with the Super NES, they definitely don't want it to be viewed as a video game. I think it's less derogatory at this point. Uh, People aren't so Mm. worried about the crash anymore. But Nintendo is still a conservative company, and they're going to play it pretty close to the chest. Um, the other fun thing about the light gray design, a lot of people say, is to counteract Sega's Genesis, which in America, it's a big, rounded, black console. It's all aggressive <laughs> yeah, it's and up in your face. Dark. It looks like it's going to try to sleep with your wife. It's a fucking... <laughs> it's got golden <laughs> That's the best description it's, ever of a console. Right? It's got golden axe in it. It's going to come, like, bring D&D to all the Christian households and just wreck mm-hmm. house. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog is a glint in Sega's eye. <laughs> so Nintendo Banned wants in to 20 come states. out. <laughs> what? Banned in 20 states. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's definitely not allowed in Minnesota, I'll tell you that shit. Um, but, uh... So, yeah, so the Genesis is a lot softer, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like cuddly, but also with the boxy design and the colors, I do think it's hearkening a little bit to the Commodore 64 world, uh, the tech world, the microcomputer world. Like, I don't think that's not on purpose. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but they definitely didn't want it toy-like. Um, I, I, I don't know all the rules, but I do know that like with KB Toys and Toys R Us and stuff like that, especially at this point, the TurboGrafx-16 is either on shelves or coming. The Nintendo's on shelves. The Game Boy's on shelves. And the Genesis is on shelves. I don't even think the Mega Drive, or the Master System is there anymore. But in, when you're trying to compete there. with these, they needed to make sure that the Super NES clearly went in the video game aisle, but that it was distinct. And I would say hmm. it's very distinct. And it looks kind of like the refined older brother that just got out of university, you know, of the NES. Mm. <laughs> right? It's the NES with a four-year degree. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but, uh, ooh. All right. Well, let me know, Cy1. Being 
you know, one of our only native-born Australian <laughs> listeners. Uh, and he hasn't even listened you know. to the Kingdom Hearts one yet, probably. <laughs> that one was so long. That weighed in at like two hours and 40 minutes. I'm so glad we didn't do that live because it would have been so fucking rushed. But anyway. So, uh, and I, I don't know. Are you near the end, Jam? I, I think I am. I'm, I've done I'm all at, the... Oh, sorry. I said, I've done all the work, the different Disney worlds. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I, looking I, at the walkthrough, <laughs> you're near the end. I'm wrapping up Peter Pan's village, but anyway, or not really the village. Pan's Neverland. Village. <laughs> yeah. Neverland. It's not really his village. Um, but I, I, I think we're going to be able to pull this off in two hours for the second part. So, mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, um, thank you very much. Sai one. No joke. Keep me posted. Um, but, uh, <laughs> he says, I've listened to half of it. Now I think I won't bother with the rest. <laughs> <laughs> it's all high quality. I can't imagine why you'd skip it anyway. Um, but yeah, so when the Super NES actually comes out in America, because of all this distribution, all this money they're making off the NES and the Game Boy, Nintendo's not that interested in promoting the Super NES in America. And... I'm starting to get the feeling that that lack of confidence in the Super NES and that lack of push is more responsible for the 55% market share the Genesis celebrated in 1991, well over anything Sega was doing or Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, mm. and I, I don't mean to bash on Sonic. It's not Sonic's fault. Sonic not was not. a very cool game when it came out. I bought a Sega Genesis in 1991. So, like... You know, I made my decision clear. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I do think that Nintendo not coming out guns a-blazing on the Super NES in America had a little bit to do with why Sega won that that console war that year for marketing. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention real quick was, and Jam, you probably know this, uh, there's a different hue of gray in the American version of the SNES as opposed to the Japanese, which is like a normal gray. And the PAL region, the Europe one, which is kind of like a dark gray, ours is super light. Well, the Mm. plastic they use had a tendency to yellow after about a Mm. decade of oxidization. So lots of consoles in America look very fucking yellow. (laughs) Have you ever seen these, Jim? I have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other thing I also heard was apparently the material, that particular plastic was made of this like unflammable material that was hard to set a light as well that's part of the reason why it has I that yellowing effect you can throw gas on it light it on fire and it won't melt yeah so. um though they have now found that despite that yellowing you can actually apparently get it off with a combination of chemicals if you want to go to that length you <laughs> so. can and if you're a picky console buyer like me you can mm-hmm. just uh, go to the retro shops and pay a little bit extra and get one of the models that used um, the anti-oxidization uh, paint. Mm-hmm. Because actually the plastic they used, they knew would do that. And so yeah. they, they had to rush it out and, and get the console out in time. But when they made the second ones, the second run and on, uh, they did have the preventative plastic. So mm. mine does not yellow. It doesn't change how it acts or works or anything, but it's not yellow. So, um, so it's not a jaundice console. <laughs> no, no, my my console's liver is just fine. 
<laughs> even weirder, there was the SNES Junior, as it was known in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Japanese 101 oh, model I, I, of the Super Famicom. Yes? You sound it was like the Slim, wasn't it? Oh, no, no, uh, I was, I was it just It was a agree. mini. Think of it as a mini. mini. You guys didn't get that. No, we didn't get it. No, uh, no. In the... Yeah, in, in Europe and Australia, in PAL territories. Um, it's a little bit smaller. It mm-hmm. has, I don't think it has native RGB out. And there's that's some right, weird that's stuff. right, yeah. But I think it is the better, like, hardware. I think it runs a little bit better. can't remember exactly how that plays out. Um, but they kept the ugly purple still, even though they made, of like, course. push buttons and stuff. <laughs> Whereas the Japanese one, as you could imagine, looks like the American one, only with the candy buttons. <laughs> Apparently, you can mod it to have the RGB out, though. Is that could be the, the console can be modded? Yeah. But who's got the time? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Kassen uh, says he thinks the yellowing is multiple solutions, like a peroxide paste, or some mm-hmm. sort of chlorinated chemical. Makes sense. Mm. It's probably yeah. more dangerous to your skin than it is to that plastic. So wear rubber gloves if you're going to try that shit. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway. And then um, one other thing we should point out is the cartridge difference. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Much like uh, the consoles themselves. Uh, you guys got the sleek, rounded, cute versions of the carts that... Mm-hmm. Uh, japan got yeah we got these ugly fucking boxy invaders from... <laughs> yeah it's a duplo is this a... it's it's worse than a duplo it's you know what it is it's the cabin your ship hides behind in space invaders <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point actually yeah but yeah um and, well, and the super some... famicom one's colored though they come what? in like multiple colored they're, they're colored cards weren't they the super famicom there ones or am i wrong there? No. No, they were, were they? They were gray, weren't they? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking was the. Gray. Yeah. It was Famicom that had the. Yeah, I'm thinking Famicom. Colors, actually. Um, in America, mm-hmm. we did have a couple of colored carts, though. Uh, Killer Instinct mm-hmm. was black. Uh, Doom was red. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I think yeah. that's it. <laughs> the rest Doom was just boring gray, gray here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Everything was great like here. To rip the label off of Doom carts in America. It's a big problem, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> you oh, really? for that game. <laughs> Mine has a ripped uh, label on it. Um, uh. So there's something about that. Maybe people just wanted the blank red cart or something. I don't know. Must but be more appealing. So. Apparently. Uh, you know what? We got the Donkey Kong 64 yellow cart here. Yeah. And we had the same problem. Like, lots of people removed the labels on it. I don't know why. And then a lot of people removed the labels on Rug- Rugrats Go to Paris, <laughs> which is a black <laughs> cart in America. But see, yeah. nobody fucking cares. <laughs> oh, that's weird. So, uh, I-, I heard recently people are dissecting those so that they can put EverDrive 64s in them. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want a black EverDrive cart shell, gut a Rugrats, don't gut a Turok 2. For the love of God. <laughs> But, uh, Leave the Turok 2 alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a great game, but, you know, it's Turok 2. Iguana Entertainment. Yeah. Come on, guys. Um, but, yeah. So, it has bow and arrows in it, because that's not popular now. Yeah, motherfucking bow and arrows. <laughs> oh, you know what, Jim? You joke, but you know you are day one buying Turok 2 when that shit hits oh, the yeah. Xbox One. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm buying it, too. It still isn't out on PC yet, <laughs> yeah. so we're both buying it. Okay. 
Kassen says this. Oh, real quick. Um, Saiwan says, it all varies. Even though they were made with mm -hmm. the same plastic, some yellow, some don't. I have a US SNES Super Mario box set, and it's in pristine condition. I also have a loose US SNES and a loose PAL SNES, and neither of them have yellowing. There you go. And Cousin says the same yellowing issue affects vintage Transformers. This is a big deal to some people. My brother-in-law is one of those. Um, and Saiwan says, though, Bumblebee's immune to it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So, all right. Well, so, so that's the cart differences. And also, our SNES carts had this weird thing. You can see them in a picture. Let me see if I can put one in the chat. Some of them have a sunken chest. And some of them have like a barrel chest. Uh, this picture here shows the sunken chest model, but the early ones were barrel chested. So most of your final fights are barrel chested. So yeah. Mm. But uh, whoever thought we would be talking about the physique of SNES carts, huh? I know. Yeah. Anyway, um, but like not an to be collector. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, not the shape down. is just. <laughs> Oh, this shape is gorgeous. Oh, look at this. Sunken in, it's a Star Fox to be loved. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, but not to downplay the European launch. Uh, Jim, what's, mm -hmm. we'll talk about launch games in a minute, but what's the, what's going on in Europe when, when this all premieres? Like, what's the landscape looking like for video games in 1992? Well, nice thing. For video games at this sort of stage, the, well, the Mega Drive is kind of dominating at this point because Sonic the Hedgehog's already obviously come out. Um, it's kind of got a, kind of a nice clear lead in terms of the console. And it's also worth pointing out at this stage, this is kind of where microcomputers are starting to probably slightly lose their grip a bit um, on the kind of the game front. They're still popular, but they're not as popular as they were in the 80s, but not by far. Um, right. I could be wrong, but I think the Amiga was out by this point as well. The, the Commodore's uh, computer. We got the Amiga in 89, so I'm betting you yeah. guys have it in fact i recently played barbarian on the amiga oh yeah <laughs> it was an 88 game so so that was that was kind of what that was the popular microcomputer and that was really popular actually to be honest especially in my area people were gushing over that um and i, I know we have people in the chat who are very fond of the amiga as well so so definitely wants to I yeah, give credit there i love for the amiga i just got my it, hands it's pretty on awesome a completely legit um, Amiga library. <laughs> oh, I found a fantastic <laughs> emulator called Win UAE, and it's very plug and play. And I am playing the shit out of some of your Amiga games. <laughs> I might have very... to look into that emulator because they're quite hard to emulate some of those Amiga games because of the disc swapping. <laughs> That's not so easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have to turn a disc over. It's not the easiest thing, even in when you. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Most of the ones I've emulated are quite, like, quite difficult. So. A bit of a bitch. Not going to lie. <laughs> but, but yeah, but that, anyway, also Simon obviously points out the Atari ST as well. I forgot about that. That's, that's, that's a good point as well. That, that, that was also in America, I believe, as well, the, the Atari ST microcomputer. The Atari um, ST was, but I'm trying to remember if it, by 1991, I don't know. I'll look that up while you talk. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, but that's kind of like what the state of play is at the moment um, in, in there. But so, it, what was kind of what probably worth pointing out is that a bit like with the NES, um, Nintendo's distribution of the Super Nintendo in Europe was 
pretty poor really it wasn't sort of as good as it was in america and nintendo probably and they didn't even really market it particularly well over here either um okay. where where we, we had a we had a oh, mega drive uh, atari st yep. discontinued in 1993 so yeah the, well, the, the, the st was out here but at a thousand bucks i think the amiga mm. was the same price well, I think it was less US than that. T fans, uh, I think we mostly went Amiga. Oh, you know what? I think we had Apple II at this point. Mm. I want to say Apple II was dominating, and of course they snuck into the fucking schools. So, <laughs> of course, <World> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, we, we had a we had a in my household we had a Mega Drive. Um, with the most people that most of my friends at the time also had a Mega Drive, there was one person who, oddly enough, it was one one kid that had the NES, also had the Super Nintendo. <laughs> so no surprise there. Well, you know, um, Nintendo sent him a postcard. I mean, he felt obligated yeah, they just, to buy it. <laughs> yeah, he he was a Nintendo fan. I mean, the the general kind of consensus where well, he was he was the rich kid as well so that might have possibly had something to do with it because um certainly from my memories of the super nintendo is definitely the more expensive console of the two certainly um for families the more appealing choice would have been the mega drive over in europe because it was che- genuinely cheaper um right. and we'll, the, we'll, we'll I, talk I about yep. like the design and and kind of how they went into that in a minute uh but oh, yeah. yeah i'm just painting the landscape yeah yeah absolutely wow did, did um, you hear my dog yeah, I did. Yeah. Barking. Wow, shit. <laughs> this microphone's a lot more sensitive than it used to be. <laughs> anyway, the one thing that was interesting, I think, for the going back to the sort of time though, was the it, the build up was fascinating in just magazines alone for, for the Super Nintendo, oh, <laughs> because really? um, we're going to kind of get we're, we're going to kind of come onto this anyway in the show is that this kind of was the start of probably what you would most would consider the first kind of console war thing really of like proper two sort of consoles really at each other's throat and, was, and, and you can even say this is the origins of fanboyism as well <laughs> absolutely where my fondest memories actually when i was younger is when i having i think it was in games master magazine and certainly some of the as like as a magazine we had over here fred called me machines as well where um basically fans of video games would send in their fan artwork and they'd always feature sonic and mario literally at each other's throats quite literally um like there, there was there gory nothing, depictions yeah sorry i'm gonna cut in real quick there is nothing better than british advertising in the 16th era <laughs> oh my god archive.org is your friend look those up they're fucking hilarious <laughs> mm-hmm. also i'll plug it uh me and bob norp of uh, the bean cast and ad age fame uh, we did a, uh, a Gaming History 101 on advertisements, and there are parts of the GH101 site. There's, like, links and URLs. I've got it on the episode where you can view a lot of these British ads and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, that's something I just remember being quite – just my highlight, I think, of the month, my month when um, you'd get those magazines and you'd see basically these pictures of Sonic murdering Mario or Mario murdering Sonic. And this is you know, for kids, of course, because this is sort of a kid's red. And, um, well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that that was just that was quite entertaining to see, and and you really you really did get this this feel with people is that people were solidly like I'm a I'm a Mega Drive person, or people that had the Super Nintendo, and rightfully so. Now that I actually own my own Super Nintendo, finally after goodness knows how many years, they were they were firmly say had their feet planted that Super Nintendo was better than um, than Sega's console as well. So you you really had that kind of. You know, schoolyard brawl i guess of which was the better system and it, 
Yeah, way before the oh, internet yeah, the was around. Wars, the console wars were not fought in stores initially. They were fought on fucking playgrounds as you defended what you either had, what you wanted, or either or. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the poor kid in the corner that was defending the links. <laughs> Dude, the fucking links is the shit. <laughs> Shut up, Blake. Just, just, just go back to the corner. <laughs> Dave, get the fuck over there with the Game Gear guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> oh, just made me check on my walls, man. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, actually, you probably had to go sit down with the poor soul who got a Neo Geo. Because, yeah, you were rich and got a Neo Geo. But those things were fucking cassette tapes. And nobody knew how to hook it up. <laughs> I don't know if you kid. saw, but they're they're uh, making a flash card for the Neo Geo console. Oh yeah, four hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. th- th- no surprise there. I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's only the cost I mean, of one game. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, four hundred bucks is about what you'll pay for like two or three games on the Neo Geo, but still. <laughs> but yeah, people get it though. I mean, that's uh, I, I. Oh yeah. Like that's a good deal. Like it's I didn't yeah, oh, know yeah. you could make a flash cart of uh, the Neo Geo, but somebody made it. <laughs> but uh, uh, all right. So anything else about the launch you want to talk about before we talk about kind of just the development and kind of what they did? Okay, so I guess not so much the launch, but I guess. Um when I first managed to get hold of a Super Nintendo was, I think I've said this story many times, is that when I went and visited my grandparents on the, um, uh, every sort of summer, at least once, I'll be there. My parents would literally just throw me and my grandparents for about two weeks and they'll go off on their proper holiday. <laughs> it's just, you know, free childcare and all that. And um, me and my brother would literally, we, we were able to rent a Super Nintendo console. And that was kind of like the highlight of our summer doing that. Like we generally looked forward to it. Um, and that's kind of like, uh, our, our, that was my main experience sort of playing on the Super Nintendo and I, I was pretty enthralled by it mostly by it's just color I just thought the console was so colorful <laughs> I just every other colors the were just so much oh, more yeah. vibrant yeah so that's yeah, my early sort of um, demoed very well like if you just put mm. it like any of the launch games and we'll talk about those in a minute but like the ones that come to mind are Super Mario World um yeah and uh, F-Zero and then of course none of that fucking mattered at the end of 91 when Street Fighter 2 came out but you put any <laughs> of, of those course, on yeah. demo and people were just like wow you know, for me, I was smitten by Final Fight, but I was the probably the minority. <laughs> but, uh, by the way, we're talking about it in the chat. I want to give a big belated happy birthday to Voss. Voss's birthday was last Absolutely. week. So happy birthday mm. to you, Voss. He has been a wonderful contributor on the show and a welcome Absolutely. addition to the chat most weeks. So uh, thank you. But uh, anyway. Uh, and Psy1 is already saying that Street Fighter 2 was best ported on the SNES. That's fighting words. I thought we'll that was coming. A minute. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll have that debate. Um, but yeah. So He's yeah. right, though. Oh, wow. Oh, am sorry. I was I supposed Sega, to fight like, Am I the only Sega lover here? I, I, I'm not <laughs> saying so, the PC yeah. Engine version was the best one. You know, I mean, which is, would be... Oh, amazing. God, throw that console in too, yeah. Uh-huh, and the 3DO version. Oh, there's a, there's a fucking version of Super Street Fighter 2 right there. And it was Turbo. It was Turbo, yeah. But only the Genesis had the special champion edition. All right, should we have this debate right now? <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just do it. Let's get just to it. Just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Little game talk while we're in the beginning of this. Um, okay, so... 
Street Fighter 2 came out February 6th, 1991 in Japan. Now, I wanted to ask you about this because apparently, I mean, it was imported by some people in America for the either either they got a Famicom, a Super Famicom and the game or they bought a Super Nintendo in August and then imported the game. There were tons of ads in video game magazines at the time. Look in EGM. Uh, I want to say Hardcore Gamer was out. And there were a bunch of others where in the back you could buy imported copies of Street Fighter 2 for like 100 bucks. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And of course, our cart slots were different, so we had to take the butter knife and kind of cut the tabs. You take a butter knife, you heat it up, and it'll melt the plastic just enough to cut off the tabs. This works in both a Genesis and a Super NES. Uh, nowadays, since we're civilized, you can buy a Game Genie, and that's a much easier way to do it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I remember Street Fighter II just being a huge deal with Super Nintendo, right? Like, it dominated the arcades yeah. at the time. Was that? And I, I'm fairly certain that was true about Street Fighter II in um, Europe. Yeah, I mean, it, it came out first on the Super Nintendo, so it had the head start. So every, everybody's kind of memories, even over here, was um, Street Fighter being just damn awesome on the Super Nintendo. Well, I mean, and I'll yeah. be, to be fair, like, you can see the flaws in it now. Like, I was playing it last night uh, on an emulator because I was working on a video project. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can see how it's a little bit slower. The Super NES doesn't clock very high, and we'll get into its hardware in a minute. But um, it's also not quite as faithful as I thought it was, but man, if you just look at like a screenshot, it looks pretty fucking spot on. And that's all that I cared about when I walked by it in like a department store and saw it on a demo. Um, but it won't come out in Europe until December, 1992 and we get it in July, 92. Um, and then, Oh, I'm sorry. And then June, 92, um, in japan which means we weren't importing it that much now that i think about it now you guys had hmm. six months and i maybe that's the big yeah. reason i heard that in europe you guys imported the shit out of this game oh yeah 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 i, I remember there was somebody i, I the, the imports were definitely around because and like, like with a lot importing was just popular in general actually i remember somebody importing damn super mario brothers free over here <laughs> before that came out um that's on the fc well not that's not the super nintendo but um the yeah the it's, it's definitely because it, it, like with this sort of fine game you, you didn't need to know there wasn't really any there's barely any english in there was there it was just yeah you just selected the character and i think even the um announcer was still in english for this uh, for this uh, game yes yes yeah even the japanese version um but the snes is region locked so even though the um the carts would plug into your console didn't you guys oh, yeah. need an adapter or something? I remember hearing horror stories of like these adapters Ooh. that would either burn out the SNES or they'd break and then your game was unusable. There are tons of horror stories out there about European people who bought the game, bought the adapter, spent like 150 bucks or something, or sorry, 150 pound. And then like in two days or something, the adapter would crap out and then they had to just stare at the cart for six months until it came out in Europe. <laughs> so do you know anything about that I, I i'll be honest i didn't i didn't know that I, I, the adapter sounds very familiar but the i i played um the well i didn't play the import version but the person that started showcasing it was off his own you know his own super nintendo system which i'm guessing he had obviously <laughs> modified himself um but that yeah that that but that does sound familiar i do remember sort of people mentioning about sort of adapters and that that when you said about something burning out that sounds very familiar 
Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was on a giant bomb thing or something. Somebody was writing in about mm. that and talking about how he was. There was someone, know, yeah. Burned. To be honest with you, the one month difference between Japan and North America, I doubt most Americans wasted the time or money to adapt a Japanese version because not only did we have to adapt it for the cart, but then we also had the region lock. So I doubt we did that over one month. Uh, mm. Demand on video games just wasn't that crazy yet. But but I know this was a huge, huge game for the SNES. Um, and it started just that long-running feel of like third-party support, right? Like before mm. Nintendo shunned all its third parties, it lived off of them. <laughs> and the SNES is one oh, of yeah. the best <laughs> examples. But uh, okay, so real quick, because the chatters are talking about it. Here's what came out on what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah, that's the it. SNES, first in 92, you get uh, Street Fighter 2. Traditional Street Fighter 2. You could only pick one of the eight fighters. You couldn't be the same fighter unless you put in a code. So you couldn't do Ryu on Ryu unless you put in a code. And then, and I think the endings were adapted in that one. Like they couldn't put in the graphics for the original endings from the arcade. But anyway, um, then I think it was 93, the Genesis Mega Drive gets Street Fighter II Special Champion Edition. And the mm -hmm. Special Championship Edition was Championship Edition, which added in the bosses as playable characters, and without a code, you could have the same people fight each other. But then they added Turbo. Whenever you would start the game, it would say, do you want Turbo, yes or no? And then you could set the stars as to how much Turbo. So technically, it was Street Fighter II Turbo. And the same was true in Street Fighter II Turbo, which came out in 93 on the SNES. And you could put in a code that would turn it into Champion Edition. So without the Turbo. So basically, Street Fighter II Turbo came out on both consoles. Mm -hmm. And much like Aladdin on Capcom's Aladdin on the SNES, or I think it was Virgin's, Virgin Interactive's version of Aladdin on the Genesis, some people think that it's one of the few games that was on both consoles, and some people think the Genesis version is better. I think the Genesis version of Aladdin is better. And I think the Genesis version of Street Fighter II Special Championship Edition is better than Street Fighter II Turbo on SNES. But again, I grew up playing these. I'm biased. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the soundtrack is more faithful um, because uh, the Genesis was better at making its own sounds, whereas the SNES kind of like borrowed samples. And I don't think it was as good at that. And I do think the color scheme is better on Genesis than on SNES. Okay. I mean, my now main reason for <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, my main reason for defending the Super Nintendo is basically it has four buttons and not, and even the shoulder buttons and not the three buttons that the Genesis no, was using. Wrong. No, the Genesis Mega the Drive had a six-button controller that was laid oh. out the right way. But that that wasn't very common around here. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. That is that is weird, man. You couldn't you could walk down a video game aisle and trip over them. <laughs> they were so really common saw in America. That around here. Oh, no, there was the three, three button, button controllers ones, the like phased ones. out. Yeah, you couldn't find mm. them anywhere. If you go buy used Genesis controllers now, it's a bunch of broken three buttons and a bunch of six buttons. <laughs> mm. Anyway. But I guess that I think I felt that on that same note, like fighting games in general just seem to feel a bit better on the 
Super Nintendo. Again, I am pretty. I'm using the controller as the main argument there. I know, but it's, uh, but that's just sort of how it sort of you know it, that's how it appealed to me. But gosh, you know, hell, Shaq Fu was better on the Super Nintendo than the Genesis. Well, <laughs> that's um, not that we should be defending I'll give that game. You but that. sure, <laughs> those that played Shaq Fu can go ahead and defend it on the SNES. No, uh, the SNES <laughs> version of most multi-console ports was usually a little better. Um, Except for one fire yeah, There are a couple maybe. exceptions. We'll get, the, we'll, we'll get to those in a minute. I want to talk about hardware for about 10 minutes and the launch yeah. games. And then I figured we'd go free form for like 15, 20 minutes and talk about our favorites and stuff. So, mm. um, And we will get to that game you're talking about uh, because we have to. <laughs> uh, because of some of Nintendo's policies actually directly yes. relate to it. So... Um, but yeah, for those of you hardware junkies, let me get a little bit of tech specs for you. Uh, hold on, I had them pulled up, but of course I've lost them. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it was a 16-bit console. Um, I'm not going to get really into the chips and stuff, but basically it did have a palette of 32,768 colors, which I think is almost twice the amount of colors that the Mega Drive Genesis could do. I think that was about 16,000. But again, still an impressive palette for both consoles. Um, it ran at 3.57 megahertz as opposed to the 7 megahertz that uh, the Genesis ran at, which you didn't really notice, except with a handful of games, including the one we'll get to. So instead of just dancing around it, that's Mortal Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat had a noticeable difference. Um, Sonic, and there were a handful of games. I mean, there were definitely games that seemed to... I don't know, what do you think, Jam? But I think there were a bunch of games. Kid Chameleon is another example that comes to mind, where you just say, oh, yeah. that port wouldn't work very well on the SNES. I agree, yeah. yeah. Like, it just clocks a little different. All SNES mm. games were kind of floaty, you know what I mean? Like, I realized that when, in the 24-hour live stream, I played ActRaiser. And that's, mm. that's a hardcore sideways hack and slash, or sorry, side-scrolling hack and slash platformer, but it's still kind of floaty. Graphics, or, or not graphics, gravity is a little off on that. So, um, and you guys like, had it even slower because it was like... Oh, yeah, what, I was going to say, yeah. 16% slower for 50 hertz. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, probably the big thing was the hybrid 8-bit processor... 16-bit sound processor, uh, Sony, what was it? The, I think it was the CDP 700 chip. It was a, it was a Sony audio chip, um, which was really bad at, okay, here we go. The CPU was a Ricoh 5A22 at 3.58 megahertz. Um, and then the, the sound chip was called the Nintendo S SMP, but it was really a Sony SPC 700 uh, processor. And again, it was really good at being kind of a synthesizer that could play back sounds, but it was really bad at samples and it was really bad at creating its own sounds. But you don't notice it much because most composers on that console didn't do that. You know, like you think about the Final Fantasy soundtracks, they just basically utilize that chip as a synthesizer, and that's why you get a lot of that, you know, 
you know, like that's that's kind of how they did stuff, you know. <laughs> or even the Donkey Kong Country theme is probably the best example I can come up with. So, um, but I don't know, Jim. Anything you want to say about the sound chip? Well, they did, most people obviously argue they say the sound chip was vastly superior on the Super Nintendo than the Mega Drive, but I still defend the Mega Drive rocked it when they needed to. <laughs> I would agree. This is a Super Nintendo podcast. Right. We should be praising the no, Super you, Nintendo. Are yeah, you ready <laughs> so, to have fun with this? Okay. All right. Hold yep. on. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. We can do this Here's now, Donkey Kong Country. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to something a little better. Yeah. See, okay. when it's using its own synth, pretty slick, mm-hmm. right? That's good. But then. Nope. Sorry. You can hear my typing a little bit. <laughs> it turned out the sensitivity on this shit. Anyway. Um, all right, hold on, hold on. Sorry about that. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> we have Genesis knew how to kick it. Mm. Yeah, Yuzo like Koshiro. Come on. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, happy, happy, um, was it 27 years to the Mega Drive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Mega Drive's 27 uh, come this October, I think. But anyway, um, but I love the fact that I can play music and you can hear it now. Oh, that's um, great, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, and this is a good time to mention Top Scores Volume 4 is the first say, week yeah. of September. So send your contributions to contact at gaminghistory101.com. <laughs> We've only gotten two, so we need some more, but Jam and I have no problem uh, padding the soundtrack if we need to. Yeah, we've got plenty. But uh, anyway, so so yeah, so that was the Super NES. Um, a lot of people will say that it's kind of underpowered. Um, and to a certain extent it was, and that's why much like with the Famicom, Specialized chips being included in the cartridge kind of comes around very fast. You know, um, I mean, I don't know if you were aware of this at the time, Jim, or if you're even aware of it now, but a good majority of, not majority, a good sampling of games on the SNES have like specialized chips that kind of mm. expand the hardware. I mean, were you aware That's of right, that? That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, I was aware of that, okay. yeah. Um, you know, and some of the notable ones... I mean, what's the first one that comes to mind when you think? Well, the uh, Capcom put like their own additional chips, say like the Mega Man X two and three, to ah, expand yes. some of the graphical capabilities yes, on, the, the, on the system. Yes, that's the something chip. Mm. That's the one that did the trigonometric shapes that are only on the title screen. So the vector like <laughs> diagram bits, yeah. It, it allowed for grid-based trigonometric graphics. And to be fair. It's only Mega Man X2 that it was only used for the title screen. And X3, it's actually yeah. in the game itself when you control right, yeah. Zero and whatnot. But, um, yeah, and then, of course, Capcom continued. They had their DSP chips. Actually, that might have been a Nintendo thing, mm. which is a sound processor chip. Um, of course, the Super FX, super popular. Star Fox, yay. Lots of people think it's a specialized chip one. in Donkey Kong Country. It's not. It's just stamps on a oh. flat background. Yeah, it's a regular mm. cart. Um, one of the lesser known chips was the, um, oh, what was it? The BZX80. Did you know about this? Uh, the BZ80 chip 
which was the Super Game Boy. It uh, added extra oh. microprocessing cycles to allow the mm. SNES to emulate the Game Boy because the SNES couldn't do it by itself. That's right. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah. Is, is the the Super Game Boy is essentially it is like Game Boy hardware, and then the Super Nintendo just essentially just projects the picture onto TV. Yeah, they, they basically slapped a Z80 into a cart. I know, yeah, so, which is impressive. Um, I think that was really cool too. Um, mm. Well, hold on, let me take a step back. Originally, um, the the so the console was designed by uh, by God, his name. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Going through my notes frantically, I had a different plan as to how this was all going to come together. Oh, why are you looking that up? The, uh, yep. Super Game, the Super Game Boy is an essential purchase if you have a Super Nintendo. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. for, for several reasons, but uh, mm. yeah, yeah, I think it is an essential purchase, um, especially because the Game Boy doesn't last too long uh, <laughs> these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn it. Where is it? Where is it? There we go. Masayuki Uemura. He was the uh, console designer on a lot of different consoles, including the original Famicom. Mm-hmm. And he made the concept and then the eventual final design for the Super Famicom and SNES. And the big thing with that design was it was supposed to have an add-on that allowed you to do um, backwards compatible uh, gaming with Famicom with the Nintendo and then it added like 50 or 60 bucks into the production cost and Nintendo wanted to keep this around $200 200 pounds you know thing like that mm. and so they decided to remove that to get in the price point so and I remember a lot of people thought that the, the lack of backward compatibility would be a big deal now, I'm curious to your thoughts from the European perspective, because in America, most people owned a Nintendo already, you know, so it wasn't that big yeah. a deal. You just kept it. Funko Land wasn't a huge deal yet, but uh, how mm-hmm. about you guys? Well, like, would yeah, it have I been a big I deal really... if it was backward compatible? Probably not, because the, the NES wasn't massively popular over here. You know, uh, but, I, if, you know, if, the, if Nintendo's distribution was better with its sort of games and its consoles for that matter and i think it would have been um but it, then thinking about it anyway even with the sort of the, you know the mega drive was really popular people didn't really care they couldn't play their masters and games on the mega drive so i guess it's not really See, i that's think that's the thing right and mm-hmm. it was funny because sega always loved to tout oh you could play your masters oh, yeah, games yeah. on your mega drive or on your genesis but like so few people bought the power base converter and i was talking to um one of the guys at Stone Age Gamer, and they've like kind of rebuilt the power base converter. Like they've released a newly manufactured version, and it still doesn't sell that well. So like I don't think people care about it as much as people like to play it off as. I mean, even I got rid of my power base converter and bought a master system. <laughs> so even the retro people tend hmm. to just own the console. I don't know. It's easier. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, oh, and Regenerator says, "Did Spider's Venom just say Zed?" Uh, duty Canadian <laughs> showing. Uh, no, actually, I'm not Canadian. I'm American. Uh, but I've talked hey. to enough Europeans and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Dude, you're Canadian is showing, eh? Um, but uh, yeah, I've talked to enough Europeans and just always heard, you know, the the ZX Spectrum and you know the Z80 processor and all that stuff. It was the Europeans who started talking about that first. So because I've been hearing mm. it since I was like 15, I just say Z. 
<laughs> but anyway. I think I do too. <laughs> so I'm guilty. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, most people do. But uh, anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. So yeah, when the Super Game Boy came out, the idea that you could, like a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot, a couple of people wanted to play Game Boy games on the TV. And nowadays, that's definitely popular uh, because the Super Game Boy is still difficult to emulate. You know, lots of people mm. go, well, fucker, like, just get a Game Boy emulator. Um, <laughs> but the Super Game Boy adds certain palettes. It adds backgrounds to a couple of games, Donkey Kong 1994 yep. being one of them. Um, so, I mean, there's value to it. I definitely have a Super Game Boy. I probably play most of my Game Boy games on the Super Game Boy and not on the Game Boy itself. Or a Game Boy. I have a Super Game Boy, yeah. Yeah, so. But, uh, and Hecht cracks me up. He goes, I sold my Super Nintendo. I still have the Super Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so, Excellent. So the Super Game Boy was it's a quite big cheap deal. to find still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they sold well enough that they're easy to find. Mm. Not so much the case with the Game Boy Advance converter on the GameCube, but I think the bigger deal there is you have to have the disc. And a lot of people don't have the disc. Like, if you go on Amazon, there's a thousand of those for sale, but, like, two have the disc. (laughs) So, but, uh, anyway, so, yeah, the... The extended cartridges and the extended hardware definitely helped it. Of course, later on in time, the Final Fantasy games, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 3 in America. It was actually Final Fantasy 6. You guys had 3 in Europe, right? It was called 3? Yeah. Or did you guys call it 6? I, we... I forget. No, it would have been. I don't actually. I'm trying. To, we might not even have three actually, because no, no, because no, 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 because yeah, we didn't have it because I think seven was the first sort of European Final Fantasy for a long time. Holy <laughs> so, shit. Okay. Yep. Well, either way, uh, those were more expensive games. Chrono Trigger was like eighty yeah. bucks at retail, um, and I heard Star Ocean, which we didn't even get here, had crazy yeah. compression on it. It's like ninety-six megabits. Ow. Jeez. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> Um, it was only in Japan and yeah, that's a huge deal. And like, that was one of the big things with the super power pack and the super ever drive was they were finally able to hold the uncompressed cart, you know, cause previously it would get compressed for flash carts and it didn't run too well. Whereas that original cart for star ocean in Japan for the super famicom is uncompressed. It's just a massive mm. chip. Um, and then of course, street fighter two alpha. I don't know if you know that one, but that one, they actually compress stuff onto the chip. So it's like a, I want to say it's a 64 megabit chip. So like eight megabytes, but it has load times because it actually has to uncompress the data. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you get on the virtual console, it still has the load times. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Um, but yeah, that was a big deal. Um, And uh and, and the console's $200 price point and launching with Super Mario World, I think, was a big deal as well. Now, did you guys get Super Mario World in the box with your Super Nintendo? Or did you have to buy it separate? No. I think it was both. No, no, you could okay. get it as a pack-in. Yeah. Okay. In America, we always got the best version, to be honest with you, from a financial standpoint. Yeah. I think it's because we buy more so they can sell it cheaper. I don't know how it all works, but... In Japan, it came out at, I want to say, 189,000 yen, which was like 210 bucks. And then we got it for 199.99. 99 
two controllers and Super Mario World, which was a great bundle, and it fucked every console that came out afterwards because none of them came with pack-ins, none of them came with a second controller, and we were so pissed <laughs> in America. And then in Europe, I think you guys were, what was it? Was it 179.99 quid, something like that? I think I think I think it's a hundred. It was 150 pound, I think. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah. And that was with a pack-in. No, that wouldn't have been with a pack-in. So that would be oh, okay. just so a that unit the, alone. The that was base, the control yeah. deck, yeah. Ah, the control. So yeah, we're probably 170 probably. Yeah, that's right. So I might be right, but if it was 180, maybe with the game. Okay. Well, the SNES never came unbundled with a game in America. Mm. We got Super Mario World. Then for a while, we got Super Mario All-Stars as like a bonus pack-in. And then they started doing the hybrid cart where you got World and All-Stars. And then there was this mm. weird time where you got Killer Instinct for free. I, <laughs> That's right, yeah. The better, the better thing there was you got the CD called Killer Cuts. If you guys can ever get your hands I on that. the 1994 Killer Cuts. Uh, I will be premiering a track from that CD uh, on Top Scores Excellent. Volume 4, so stay <laughs> tuned. But, Can't uh, wait. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, Regenerator says, funny thing is, I never got any RPGs back on the SNES. Back then, I was big into fighters, oh, platformers, action games, and SimCity and Mario Paint. I didn't get into RPGs until I got the PS1 in April 1997. You and the rest of the Western society, <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, Secret of Mana, Sagan Densetsu 2, didn't sell that well. Earthbound Mother 2 famously sold very poorly. Um Final Fantasy sold well, so did Chrono Trigger, but I think that was because we were just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the PlayStation 1, so. Yeah. But <clears throat> Billy O.K. says, did the PlayStation 1 have any good RPGs? I hope you're trolling. It had a <laughs> shit ton. <laughs> we'll made it, we could make an episode about that. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah, so. um, real quick, it did have the canceled CD add-on which is the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Go check that out. It was one yes. of our earliest episodes pre-jam called Birth of the PlayStation. So you can learn all about that. Um, and then, of course, in Japan, it had the Satellaview. We also have an episode about that. Just look for the online gaming stuff. Um, so I guess it's time to talk about launch games. Want to talk about launch games? Yes. Oh, actually, before nope. launch games. Well, do you want to do launch games or violence? We can do either one. Let's uh, uh, do launch games first. Okay. So in America, it launched with Super Mario World, F-Zero, um, Pilot Wings, SimCity, and Gradius 3. Schmup. So, yep. The biggest deal there being um, F-Zero, Super Mario World, and Pilot Wings heavily used the Mode 7 graphics. I'm using air quotes with that, which was there were seven mm. visual modes that you could program graphics for on the SNES. And Mode 7 allowed the background to um, scale and rotate. So it gave that, and if you listen to our Sega Arcade Classics episodes, that was a big deal, like with OutRun mm. and Space Harrier, how everything would scale and, and rotate around the screen. Um, it was more pixel scaling than rotating in the arcades. So of course, a lot of games played around with that. And F-Zero gave, you know, that distance thing, you know what I'm talking about, where like the ships yeah. seem, like they were coming closer and going farther away. Super Mario World famously used it on the last boss battle for Bowser when he flies at the screen. Mm -hmm. um, Pilot Wings, there's tons of them. The biggest scale is rotating. Yeah. Yeah, is with um, 
with the uh, the ground. Uh, so mm. actually, maybe it wasn't the background that could scale and rotate. I think it was actually the foreground, and then you could have a background. And the reason I bring that up is pilot wings, when you're doing the skydiving and you're falling, the sprite that's rotating is actually the ground and the character is the background. And the same is true in Contra Yeah, 3, that's right, yeah. So that's in Contra 4, I believe. Yes, yeah, where the, the sprite in Contra 3 in level 2 is actually the, the road. <laughs> and then mm. your character is the background. So, interesting tricks. Uh, Mode 7 yeah. was cool. It's very clever. Yeah. So It, it seems to favor racing games more, I thought, for like Mario yeah. Kart and you know F Zero and um, yeah, but well, like, like part, a ton yeah. of games used it. Well, yeah, they did. They did. Like, but... Yeah, Bart's Nightmare. But I mean, it, they did it because it differentiated from the Genesis, right? Like the Genesis mm. couldn't do that stuff. Absolutely. In, yeah. In fact, I forgot what the camera trick was because in Turtles in Time, Turtles Four, Turtles in Time on the SNES, they can use Mode Seven to have this the foot soldiers get thrown at the screen. Oh yeah, they of course, yeah. Do that in uh, Turtles in Time on the Genesis, known as the Manhattan Project, and so there's a new animation for how you destroy the foot soldiers in a toss. I forget what it was, but yeah, it's one of the classic examples. But uh, <clears throat> Sunset Riders also did some cooler stuff on the SNES, uh, but we all know the Genesis version is better. Um, but yeah. I remember Super Mario World being super popular, but everybody got it, you know, kind of in the box. Mm. I mean, what was it like in Europe? Did you love Super Mario World as much as us Americans do? I mean, Super Mario World is pretty awesome. It's hard not to deny the, you know, because it, 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 was, it was basically, to me, I think it felt like it was Mario Brothers 3, but just like turned up a bit more really you got you had yoshi including it the 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 graphics were just ridiculously colorful and just um the game just looked wonderful and that soundtrack's great as well oh yeah oh yeah Mm. um it's hard to fault uh, that game especially with the nintendo coin oh sorry Mm. sorry 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 (laughs) yeah i have to worry about that now all that that you're, you're hearing... You're liking that too much now. <laughs> yeah, that, no, no, no. I was backing out of something. That's actually in every episode. It's just that it doesn't record. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I remember Gradius 3 had super slowdowns, so it was easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, think I remember that. <laughs> Pilot Wings and F-Zero were popular. They had their own audiences, but they were limited. SimCity, on the other hand... F-Zero being massive, though. Oh, was it? Or it wasn't? Well, that, that, I'm talking about from a European point of view, maybe, but I, I don't remember people raving about F-Zero. But Again, even though it was a launch game who, here. But. Okay, there are people who like F-Zero and Pilot Wings, but... I don't know. Mm. Pilot Wings 64 was the better Pilot Wings, but yeah. Um, SimCity was huge here, though. Like, a lot of people's first time playing SimCity... Yeah was on the SNES version, which had a weird, like, co-branding with Nintendo. Like, Bowser replaced Godzilla as the dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And Mario, I think you could erect a Mario statue. So it was interesting. But, mm. um, yeah. So, um, and then, uh, so, I'm sorry, what were your, what were your launch games? 
Yeah, so there was only three in Europe, which was essentially it was uh, Mario World, um, F-Zero, uh, two which are also in America. The only difference was um, Super Tennis was the one over oh. here because, you know, we love Wimbledon over here and yeah, we love tennis. Super because, tennis. So <laughs> yeah, all your friends bought that, right? Absolutely. Well, they did, and that is probably it. Probably really? is the cheapest. Um, it, yeah, no, everybody had Super <laughs> Tennis. Um, I, the, it, it probably is the cheapest Super Nintendo game to find in Europe, I'd say, because that game is almost everywhere still. Um, considering how expensive those games are getting nowadays, that that that's the only one I've ever seen that's still hot. Even when I've been to conventions in London or Comic Cons, it's the one, it's the one Super Nintendo game that everybody's just trying to get rid of. <laughs> really. You ready for this? You ready yep. for this? Uh -huh. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's some super tennis right there. It is. Yeah, I remember No that. wonder <laughs> you guys love this sound chip. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, um, you know what, though? Super tennis is pretty cool. It's, it, it, is a bare, it's, it's a basic tennis game. But there you go. We don't get basic tennis games these days. <laughs> Nintendo is the only company to make me care about golfing games and tennis games. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, okay, we'll, we'll move on real quick so that we can gush about some of our favorite games, but let's move into the violence thing. So Nintendo had yes, a very strong anti-violence policy, and this didn't really matter as much. Like, it was present, but it wasn't that big a deal until 1993 when a little game called Mortal Kombat comes out, <laughs> um, and especially in America. Um, because Americans, sorry, Americans, uh, Americans, America. we love violence. I was going to say America, and then I switched to Americans. That's how that happened. But anyway, um, we love violence. So, of course, if we have a problem with the violence of Mortal Kombat, naturally, the rest of the world will. So Nintendo just said, fuck that. Censor it. Censor the shit out of it. And mm. while, in my opinion, Mortal Kombat is much more console, or sorry, arcade perfect, uh, at least in graphics, on the SNES. The lack of violence and the kind of floaty nature of how that game plays... <laughs> Floatiness. Yeah, means the Genesis version's the better version, even though it's it's a much uglier port. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frankly. And the music's pretty rough. I mean, Probe did its own thing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to kind of chime in and mention as well, is that this is what's fascinating about this... Um, console period or this early console war is that a game that was on the super nintendo and a game that was on the mega drive were vastly different to say two games that say on the ps4 or xbox one today where they're just oh, so yeah. similar <laughs> they're, they're negligible differences but these games gen there was massive differences between them oh yeah and they were made by different people like yeah different companies yeah. like here's an example all right you ready here's mm -hmm. here's the genesis version of mortal kombat i'm sorry to put these sound chips up <laughs> Yeah. That's quite a sound. I just quite like that. Mortal Kombat. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. And here's the right. SNES version. Oh, more gritty. Sounds more arcade-like. Yeah, it is. It's, it's much more like that, yeah. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> oh yeah. And so again, they're pretty similar, but they're just they're just slightly different. And the two ports are very similar to that, right? They're they're similar mm -hmm. but just slightly different. But of course, having blood, 
there was it was the Genesis version, <laughs> you know. Um, and Jam, was that true? I'm I'm guessing that was worldwide, but in Europe, did the Genesis version, the Mega Drive version of Mortal Kombat, was that much more popular than the SNES? Like, oh, absolutely. It was absolutely. like the one time yes. SNES people were like, yeah, you guys got the better version. <laughs> I think I think the SNES people just cowered and they just thought, I'm just not even gonna say I've got this version. <laughs> so <it was> just... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But but Nintendo quickly stopped that policy after seeing the sales difference, and Mortal Kombat 2 came out with all yeah. the blood intact and was much more console per- or sorry arcade perfect on the SNES, and the SNES version of Mortal Kombat 2 just dominated. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I really liked my Genesis port, but the SNES port was so much better. Oh my god. Mm. <laughs> Um, it also just introduced the was it this was this the origins of the SRB in America wasn't it where they started the you know Sega started their own but the ESRB was started as part of yeah a bunch of uh, senatorial hearings that included Night Trap Mortal Kombat oh yeah Night Trap I forgot about that yeah. oh of course yeah. Night Trap the rape fantasy simulator apparently yeah <laughs> played that game Gosh. a million times Damn still haven't seen simulated rape but hey. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Hecht says too bad Saturn had the superior MK2. Funny you mentioned that. Oh, I recently played the Saturn version of MK2 and then went back and played the yeah. 32X version of MK2. The 32X version is the best version of Mortal Kombat really? 2. <laughs> the Saturn version misses, like, is missing sound effects and, and music in weird places. Mm. It's weird. And it's also got weird hitches for loading. And it's, I've played it on two different Saturns. It's, it's, and, and my copy is pristine. So it's, it's not the scratches. It's not the, it's not my Saturn. But uh, anyway. Um, so yeah. It was it was an interesting world with Super Nintendo <laughs> and the 16-bit <laughs> generation as a whole. So, anyway. All right, are you ready to get into some games? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. What are the games you love on the SNES? I'll let you open with one, sir. We'll go for about 10 minutes on this. Well, uh, one one that clearly I we me and my brother loved was um, Sunset Riders on the Super Nintendo. Uh, which um, I actually liked both versions i quite like the mega drive version as well of that but the the super nintendo kind of was a lot more kind of arcade friendly where it featured four playable characters whereas mega drive only had two in it um it did have kind of it was more the arcade perfect port which is surprising considering mega drive was obviously well known for the arcade ports yeah because <laughs> but that, I, think, that... I think cormado mm. he was the uh mexican guy with the twin shotguns and the poncho yeah or no is it is it comp is it Gomrado? Anyway, or Cormando or something like that. Isn't he only in the SNES version? Oh no, no, he's in the Mega Drive version as well. There's a um, oh, okay. the Mexican. It's, it's him and it's the blue. Basically, I remember is the colors. It's the pink guy yeah. and the blue guy. The ones in the Mega Drive version. But basically, even the Super Nintendo one, they have the two extra characters, but they're basically just palette swaps and sprite swaps for the, for those two characters. That's essentially. what it was. Because obviously, yeah. Because yeah, I think I think the arcade version was up to four players, I believe. So, you, but obviously, you can't do that in the Super Nintendo version. But um, it's um, it's a great game. It's basically just a it's a side-scrolling shooter, a Western shooter, and it's it's just fantastic. And an example of when Konami was good at making games. But, right. But, Actually, they um, were always pretty good at games up and until the end here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, pretty much. And Jim, I hear that pass. 
That Pez 2016 oh. is going to be fucking fantastic. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that was a good one. Um, that that's 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 what that's what that's probably my first one I'd like to bring out there. But how oh, is it? And Cy one says, "Bury me with my money." Yes, that was only in text. On oh yeah, the of course. Genesis version. It was uh, sampled poorly, but it was sampled on the SNES. So. Yeah, they had the actual because they they really used that sound chip. <laughs> yeah, they did. Bury me with my money. Um, trying to, oh, of course, for me, Final Fight. If you didn't have a Sega CD, the only way you could play <laughs> Final Fight was on uh, SNES. I even had a copy of Final Fight Guy for quite a while. Awesome. Because because Final Fight on the SNES is compromised in a couple of ways. Um, it looks pretty arcade perfect. It's got some flaws, but. Even the the Sega CD version is not quite visually where the SNES version is, but um, you could only play as Cody or Hagger, and my favorite was of course Guy. Um, he had the better moves. He had the better jump kick. He had that back that backhand fist. Um, so if you wanted to play that, you had to buy Final Fight Guy. It only came out in Japan, but in America we got it only in Blockbusters in 1993, like two years after Final Fight came out. And, uh, of course, it didn't rent very well, and shortly after that, Blockbuster sold it for, like, 20 bucks. So I picked it up. And nowadays, <laughs> it costs, like, 20, 30 bucks for yeah. a part-only version because it's rare. But Final mm -hmm. Fight was a big one. Uh, my cousin had a Super Nintendo, and I did not... I wasn't jealous of her until... Or unless it came to getting my Final Fight fix. So when we would all go to Grandma's for a month in the summer, she had to bring her SNES just so I could just play Final Fight incessantly. <laughs> So that game still doesn't like get a good old weekend. to me. I don't understand what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's great. It's a good game. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. That's why but I still loading your Game Boy Advance. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Final Fight 1. I play as fucking, what is it, Marvel vs. Capcom Cody with the, uh, mm -hmm. with, the, with the stripes from prison. Yeah. Fantastic version. <laughs> and all the names Sophie. are changed. That's right. Damned and Sodom are like dude and blake <laughs> <laughs> sorry blake jedi slurpee our listener i'm pulling your name a lot i don't know why it just happened to work out that way anyway um what about you jam give me another one uh so yeah another, another one um i i'm just gonna be sort of you know generic and i'm gonna go donkey kong country 2 diddy kong's quest which i thought was the uh, that was my preferred choice for the trilogy of the donkey kong country games of all three of them um i don't know i it guess maybe it just felt diddy's conquest it, it yes absolutely mm -hmm. <laughs> come with a k that's back when you know we just replaced everything with k's for like <laughs> more combat style but... the other big thing was i thought and you tell me but i think diddy and dixie are the best like duo yeah absolutely so. the game just felt very fluid I, it felt a lot more fast paced and just the, the the level variation was just more interesting and the soundtrack was just so good for this game it was very good um <laughs> we this this is the, the i remember one of my one of my favorite memories of my brother is that we I don't know, you you can play like a odd two-player cooperative version of this game um, with yes, two can. people where basically it's not the same time unfortunately you basically you could both have a oh there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> just keep going <laughs> yeah you can have um, you can both you both have a control in your hand but it's basically you're, base, you're waiting until obviously someone gets hit and you swap over like that way but my brother being the cheeky bugger he was is when I was I had to go obviously 
go do something else. He would just just play with himself, not that way, oh. <laughs> and, and swap between controllers. Nice. But yeah. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good level for that one. Yeah. Mining melancholy. Oh. Or that's right. Melancholy. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Mining. Yeah. Also, we, we can't yeah. forget as well that the, the the one of the best parts about this game is when you finish the level, though Diddy or, or Dixie would rock out with the kind of like little guitar or something, and that was just yes. great. The, Not, that was a great animation. <laughs> you know, there's a animated GIF of that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, but I like that one. That, that of the three country games they released on the SNES, that's my favorite. Some people will say the first one's better. I it's all right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the second one probably the most. Donkey Kong Country One is the most classic, so I think people like it because yeah. it's probably it's the nostalgic. most beatable of the three. Like most people can beat what the first tough? one, right? Yeah. It might be tougher, but you've memorized the levels. Yeah. So. But anyway, trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, somebody's talking about my other uh, favorite on the SNES, which was uh, Shadowrun. Shadowrun, yes. two different, very distinct games, like you had been talking about, Jam, on uh, Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo. On Super Nintendo, it's like a point and click adventure, whereas it's an isometric shooter on Genesis. So. Um, I really dug Shadowrun on the SNES. I think it was because, again, it was a point-and-click adventure. and But it wasn't like the Sierra tropes, you know, and like, uh, like Phantasmagoria, where I needed like a hint every five seconds in order to figure out what to do next. Um, and it was Cyberpunk, which I've always loved. And the, the combat wasn't too bad. So, I don't know. It was kind of the complete package. It was, it was unique to me. So... Mm. But uh, how about you? Well, that was what, what, my next choice. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I'll, be, I'll go with the one that we did with our game club. Um, we, I guess, is a while ago now, which is Secret of Mana, which is a game I just sort of got. I was quite enthralled with when we played through that. Um, fair enough. I didn't play through it on the Super Nintendo. I played through it through the Wii, <laughs> through, through through the um, virtual oh. console, but. It obviously had its origins on the Super Nintendo. Um, very well emulated on the Wii for that matter, though, because um, the I, I just this game I just don't feel has really been kind of recreated really um, in this way since the Super Nintendo. It's very quite unique for the console. Um, just this kind of interesting action RPG where obviously you can swap between three characters. You've got this very kind of unique weapon system and magic system for that matter and I, I quite like the leveling up system as well how you level up by what you use as opposed to kind mm -hmm. of um how kind of rpgs generally did their leveling up systems i know there's some i know rpgs have kind of replicated it to a degree but this again just I mean, felt final quite fantasy unique 2 did it but we didn't get yeah, final did, fantasy yeah. 2 until the playstation 1 and it was kind of a clumsy implementation of it so it was yeah yeah mm -hmm. And um, and this this has your typical kind of square um, tropes for this sort of RPG, where it's very very colourful. You have got those very adorable little sprites, like from Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III, if you're talking about the Super Nintendo. Um, and was it was this a late release, wasn't it? It was quite. This was ninety ninety three. So ninety three wasn't too late, but it was. No, um, but this was um, right. Didn't this start life as a PlayStation game, like a SNES CD game? Mm, that's right yeah yeah and then they compromised it and then released it on cart and i think it's still a pretty feature complete game i mean it's i think yeah a fantastic I feel so. game so and you rescue santa claus 
in, a, a part in it. That's a, <laughs> so. up and then rescue Santa Claus, and it's a big fucking Viking Santa Claus. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I I think the American Review Board was kind of asleep at the wheel when uh, Seiken Densets Two came to localization. <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we can keep that." <laughs> yeah, but. Um, <clears throat> but uh side one says kiki and kai kai pocky and rocky oh pocky and rocky yeah pocky and rocky yeah uh is another great title to check out if you haven't is that a snes one yeah that is a uh, super nintendo that's like um sort of a top down sort of shooty game like almost, it's not oh. uh, i guess you could kind of shmup not quite people who just burn me for saying that but it's it definitely worth looking into fred there's two of them there's a uh, pocky rocky one and two for super nintendo <laughs> you know what this reminds me of and you wouldn't know this game probably but on the NES I rather liked mm. a game similar to this because uh, it, it is the the world constantly scaling like it's constantly moving down like you're moving in an upward yeah. fashion okay yeah it was called Dino Ricky it's a uh, a caveman style game because it was around the time of Wonder Boy and Adventure Island so everything had to be a caveman mm. but, um, but of course yeah, yeah. Um, Pocky and Rocky actually, or yeah, Pocky and Rocky, uh, actually available in America as well. So yeah, both of them. So yeah, Carson says I uh, like Akari Warriors. That's a good description actually. It's quite similar to that. Like Akari Warriors, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, the uh, the other one he mentions though, Pop and Twin. That's a Twin B yep. game. We didn't get that here. We also didn't get uh, Parodius here. Uh, mm. Those those were all kept off our SNES uh, menu. <laughs> shall mm-hmm. i say so but uh um and then last but not least of course i'd like to throw out legend of zelda a link to the past i know oh, of course an oldie but a good wow it's uh, pretty awesome it's a... yeah well and, you know what there's so many we missed uh i know i haven't played Mega Man x which we'll see how that fares in a minute here um <clears throat> and also uh we played super metroid on the game club I think that was yeah, our first did. time of playing course. those. Yeah. yeah. So that's a fantastic game. Takes advantage of almost everything the SNES does and well. So. But there's there's the, the original. Hmm? So the original sort of remaster with Super Mario All Stars. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. The I don't think those games feel right. But that just yeah, yeah. Right. I found that quite interesting for the time, though, because, yeah, the graphics did look improved <laughs> from sort of the yeah, SNES. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody got to get their hands on lost levels and play the you yeah. know, secret best version of Super Mario Brothers 2 and then realize, well, maybe our American version was the better version. <laughs> so, um, and maybe the Western version, because I think you guys got the same Mario 2 we did in uh, Europe. So, yeah. But anyway. All right. Any last things you want to say about the SNES before we move into the game club selection? Just I'll, I'll just quickly list off a few games just in case because some people might just burn us if we don't even mention them. Is okay. um, so I, I was just gonna just quickly say yeah, other great games obviously was um, the, the Super Bomberman series was pretty awesome on the console. Um, oh, Contra Free, Alien Wars, um, uh, Super Mario World Two, Yoshi's Island. Some people are very fond of that game, um, and of course Super Mario Kart, <laughs> which is obviously a huge title for Super Nintendo. <laughs> some people still yes. think it's the best Mario Kart. Oh, this day. Super Mario Kart. My wife. I was about to say, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. 
Well, with that, we are going to move into the game club. So here's mm -hmm. how this works. So one last chance. Go oh, Cy1 throws out Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yeah, Great that was game from That's Lucas. Mm -hmm. um, not violent on the SNES, violent on the Genesis Mega Drive. But yep. still, they're both great versions of that game. So, um, all right. So we've got two nominations right now for game club. One from Cy1, one from Voss. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you'd like to get one in real quick, you've got about 30 seconds. So, like, type it in the moment you hear this. Um, yeah. But here's how we're going to handle this for me and Jam. Uh, so, Jam gets to have either his previous game, which is Brute Force on the Xbox, continue Brute forward. Force. Or he can put it in his pocket and save it for another day. Because if a game gets um, doesn't make the cut twice in a row throughout the entire time it's off the opportunity yeah. to be a game club game so which do you want to do do you want to keep brute force or do you want to try a different game i'm going to try a different game okay just in case because I, I i'm not sure i'm not sure about chances against si one's choice <laughs> so okay. or the listener's yeah. choice i should say so should I, should I say my game now or yep. Yeah, so I, I was going to pick another Xbox game, uh, just because okay. in the spirit of Fred playing through um, Panzer Dragoon Saga, I thought it'd be good to play through Panzer Dragoon Auta um, on the Xbox. Yes, and I'll be fine with that because apparently the timeline is appropriate that Orta mm. is after Saga, although they are kind of the same yeah. game. Uh, Rageinator. <clears throat> I'm not ready to tackle Final Fantasy VII uh, for a game club. That's going to be that. Like, no, I'm not kidding. It's that would be a two month game club because that's like a that's like a 70 hour game if you speed through it. Um, so for right now, we're not going to oh, Final Fantasy VII, that. but keep that in your pocket in case I get laid off or something and we want to do a game club <laughs> in one month and just knock it out. But watch out for Fireball. Oh, I hope did that it. And they said it was a very rough game club, so I'm sorry. But we may do it someday, so I thank you for the recommendation. And um, if you I, want... I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I said I can get through that in 30 hours, but that's because that's some, somebody's can, played through that but... multiple times. But that's, okay. as some an experienced Final Fantasy VII player, it's long. It's a, it'll I've take you a while. I've never beaten it. Yeah. Uh, so Kassen is saying, I only beat Panzer Dragoon Orta once, and I couldn't beat one of the early bosses to save my life. Well, oh, wow. that's the thing, is Panzer Dragoon Orta will probably be something where you each sitting won't be long, but over the course of getting through beating that game, we'll be putting in some hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, then I'm going to add in Psy 1s. I told him I was going to hold back on it, but let's not. So Psy 1 puts up um, The Warriors. Ah, that's a good so choice. PS2 yeah. and PS2? Xbox. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, next up, we'll do mine. I'm going to stick with mine. We'll give it one more go. Yep. Mega Man X. Yep. So, um, and people can play the SNES version or Maverick Hunters, I think it is, whatever the PSP remake is that was free on Plus for a while. Uh, I'll probably do both for the game club, depending on length. Uh, <clears throat> remember, we're trying to beat these in two weeks. Um, and then Voss5 made a recommendation, which is also a SNES game, which is Kakoma mm -hmm. Nights in Busyland. That's C-A-C-O-M-A. Nights as in 
not the time of day, but the soldiers. Yeah. So K N I G H T. In Busyland, it's a puzzle game that's somewhat similar to Quicks hmm. or Kicks. So Quicks, I love that. I love. <laughs> yep, Kakoma Nights in Busyland, and of course, um, Blake Jedi Slurpee had said Donkey Kong sixty four. Yep. So that one's on the chopping block. That will be discontinued next time if uh, nobody picks it. So those are going to be our five. So you ready to mm-hmm. pick one? I do a dice roll, so you'll hear it. But I could okay. completely lie. But Panzer Dragoon Orta will be one. Mega Man X will be two. Warriors will be three. Kakoma Knights will be four. Donkey Kong 64 will be five. And six, I re-roll. Six, you re-roll. <laughs> five. Donkey Kong 64 it is. For better there or worse, we are playing through Donkey Kong wow, 64. Wow, we're going to be collecting. <laughs> choice. Squirrel. Um, but uh, anyway... So, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You can get that on the Nintendo 64 and you can get yes. it on the virtual console, right? Yeah, it's virtual console as well. Okay. So that's um yeah, I've got it on virtual console, so I'm, I'm yep. sorted. Your Wii or Wii U can get it. So, uh, I'll be playing through the I don't N64. think it's on the Wii. I think it's only on Wii U. Really? I could be wrong. Uh, I believe it's only Wii U. Find out. I trust you. I'm going to be mm. playing the uh the banana version, uh, the the banana cart on my N64. <laughs> <laughs> banana edition uh by the way if you're playing this on n64 you need the expansion pack so be yes, sure you have you it it's one it. of the few games like majora's mask that requires it so let's see here um shit <laughs> it doesn't tell me so yeah it probably is only available on the wii u virtual console oh there we go mm. the game has been made available on wii u's virtual console in europe and in the United States. So there you go. Mm. So, um, yeah. So Mario Kart 64 progresses to the next round. Uh, mm-hmm. Jam, Mega Man X is out. It will never be a game club. We almost tried to oh. pass it off earlier, so that's forever doomed. I'll just need to play that on my own. Uh, oh, I'll still play for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no problem. I just point. need to play through it. Um, the Warriors and Kakoma Knights will return for the second half of September for another shot. I will nominate something new, and Jam will get to pick if he wants to bring back Panzer Dragoon, bring back Brute Force, or make up a third choice. I'll just make up a game. Third choice. (laughs) Um, And just so people know, we will let you nominate in October, but we may take the reins on that and Mm. uh, control what we're playing through, because I think we have some plans. So anyway. So anyway. Uh, All right. Well, there you go, Voss. Many of us haven't played it. I'm somebody who's never played Donkey Kong 64, so this will be a first for me, and hopefully mm. Blake plays along as well. Uh, so it'll be a first I for him. I have played him, it and finished so. it before. There we go. So um, next week we're going to do Kingdom Hearts. The week after that is, yes. um, uh, what is it, Top Scores, um, Volume 4? It's Top Scores. And, and then we will wrap up going into uh, Donkey Kong Country 64 for the middle of September. So... Anyway. Then at some point, we'll talk about a Steinax. <laughs> oh, a Steinax is, is actually saying? after Donkey Kong 64. And it will be on the Donkey Kong 64 episode that we nominate oh, yeah. the next game. So just yeah. keep that in mind. No problem. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, I think we'll call it a night. So mm-hmm. this is Fred with Jam saying peace out.